Good evening. It's so good to be here tonight sharing the word. And um, I just, you know, we're, we're talking about the gospel, the greatest love story. Pastor had such a good message on Sunday. And I'm just going to continue a little bit because February is the month of love, right? And so we're going to talk about love, but we can never understand love until we understand God because God is love. And as much as the world wants to say they understand what love is and, and um, this is how love works, it's not what r real love is. Love is, God is love. So when we look at God, we can understand the real love, not just uh, emotions or uh, mental, uh, whatever, but it's God and God is love. Um, I read a really good devotional by David Jeremiah and I'm going to read it to you tonight. It says, true love. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And that's Romans 5.10. The 16th century English Bible translator William Tyndale was detained by royal authorities in Belgium and condemned to die. He was tied to a stake, strangled to death, and his body was burned. His last words were reported, Lord Open the king of England's eyes. It's not a prayer of vengeance, judgment, anger, or regret, but a prayer of love that the king of England's eyes would be open to spiritual truth. That is consistent with Paul's description of unconditional love in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Love hopes all things, endures all things. And Jesus' words in John 15, verse 13, true love will lay down its own life, self-interest, desires for the life of another. Jesus himself, while dying on a cross, asked God to forgive those who put him there. Luke 23, verse 34. These are all kinds of of unconditional love, the kind of love God demonstrated when he sent his only son to die on the cross for us, John 3.16 and Romans 5.10. Love for others' enemies is unconditional love. It goes against our nature to love someone who doesn't love us in return. But it is how God loves his love is unchangeable, constant, and unconditional. And we are called to love like he loves. We show God's love when we love in spite of what someone has said or done, and we put others' needs ahead of our own. That is true love. So tonight, I want to just look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. 
I want us to look at what the, what the characteristics of love are, understanding that these are God's characteristics because God is love. We're going to be reading tonight from the Rick Renner expanded version. So it, it just really breaks it up and, and takes it to a whole new level. And I just want to look at it tonight and see who God really is. So let's start. Uh, verse 4. Love patiently and passionately bears with others for as long as patience is needed. Love doesn't demand others to be like itself. Rather, it is so focused on the needs of others that it bends over backwards to become what others need it to be. So amazingly, we have listened to the lies of the enemy so that we saw daddy as a tyrant, as one who demands that everyone be like him. But daddy is actually all about free will. Now, I uh, recently listened to a guy um, that uh, from a new, new age, um, the whole um, economic forum guy uh, thing, and he, he said, free will is a myth. Well, that's just ignorance gone to seed. Free will is how God created us from the very beginning. And he did it because he, he wants voluntary love and response to himself. There's only one true freedom. That's John 8:32. It says, "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." There is no freedom without the Word of God. There is no freedom without God. Verse 36 of John 8 says, "Therefore, if the Son makes you free." you shall be free indeed. And unfortunately, the world thinks that God brings bondage, that God brings a lack of freedom, and God is the one who has given us total freedom to love him or not. We have the free will, and that's his gift to us. Back to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not ambitious, self-centered, or so consumed with itself that it never thinks of the needs or desires that others possess. Again, you can see that daddy or love is always looking at others, always thinking about what is best for others. Love doesn't go around talking about itself all the time constantly exaggerating and embellishing the facts to make it look more important in the sight of others. Love doesn't behave in a prideful, arrogant, haughty, superior, snooty, snobbish, or clannish manner. Jesus showed us the Father when he walked this earth, and what he showed us was complete Humility. So we know that since he did only what the Father showed him, the Father has complete humility. Listen to this 
in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Classic. It says, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God. So here we see Jesus is God and he's acting like God. This is how God acts did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. This is God. This is the way God operates. Jesus showed us this when he was on the earth. So God's not proud. He's not arrogant. He's not, he is humble and he always thinks of others first. Love is not, back to 1 Corinthians 13, love is not rude and discourteous. It is not careless or thoughtless, nor does it carry on in a fashion that would be considered insensitive to others. Love doesn't manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods that will twist situations to its own advantage. I know people who believe that God manipulates situations for his advantage. But love doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. His love is always out for our advantage. That's why he sent his beloved son to die for us. God is, even when we were enemies, it says... He gave his son for us. So he doesn't, it's not for his advantage, it's for ours. Everything he did was for our advantage, a gift to us. Back to 1 Corinthians 13, love doesn't deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp they cause an ugly or violent response. Love doesn't deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. Aren't you glad he doesn't keep records of wrongs? That it's all washed away by the blood of Jesus. Look at this in Psalm 103, verse 10 through 13. I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. He has not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great are his mercy and loving kindness toward those who reverently and worshipfully fear him. As far as the east is from the west, 
So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Think about that. East and west don't meet. So as far as the east is from the west, our sins have been removed from him. He does not remember. He chooses not to remember our sins. As a father loves and pities his children, so the Lord loves and pities those who fear him with reverence, worship, and awe. Back to 1 Corinthians 13, love doesn't feel overjoyed when it sees an injustice done to someone else, but is elated, thrilled, ecstatic, and overjoyed with the truth. Love protects, it shields, it guards, covers, conceals, and safeguards people from exposure. There are those who said that when we get to heaven, there's going to be our life on the big screen and everybody's going to see every mistake we made. And, but you know what? That's not God. That's not how he operates. Daddy is not one to expose all our sins, our mistakes. He washed them all away and they are in the sea of forgetfulness. The blood of Jesus is so powerful, so strong that it washes every sin away and it's gone. It's gone forever. God's not going to remind us again. He, we are going to go through, through our heavenly days and, and our new earth experience saying, oh, Father, thank you that you don't remember them and I don't remember them because they are washed away by the blood of Jesus. Back to 1 Corinthians 13, love strains forward with all its might. Don't you love the way it says it? Strains forward with all its might to believe the very best in every situation. How many times have we maybe th immediately thought the worst of a situation? God looks for the best. He strains forward. He works to see the good. Love always expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. It never quits, never surrenders, never gives up. Love never disappoints, never fails, and never lets anyone down. Until we really understand this love the way daddy is and operates, it is hard for us to show this love to others. So here's a good prayer to pray over yourself and your church body. I, t Pastor and I pray this every day for the body of CFFC, for our families. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Again, I'm reading from the Amplified Classic. It says, and this I pray, this was Paul's prayer, that your love, may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight. That, our, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value recognizing 
the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences. And that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. May you abound in and be filled with the fruits of righteousness, of right standing with God and right doing, which come through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, to the honor and praise of God, that his glory may be both manifested and recognized. So before we go any further, I just wanted to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, one more time, the expanded version, but this time I'm going to put God's name in where love was. And I just want you to, as you're listening, think this is who Daddy God is. God patiently, passionately bears with others for as long as patience is needed. God doesn't demand others to be like himself Rather, he is so focused on the needs of others that he bends over backwards to become what others need him to be. Aren't you glad that he bent over backwards to send his son so that we could become his children? He's not ambitious. He's not self-centered or so consumed with himself that he never thinks of the needs or desires that others possess. He doesn't go around talking about himself all the time, constantly exaggerating and embellishing the facts to make him look more important in the sight of others. He does not behave in a prideful, arrogant, haughty, superior, snooty, snobbish, or clannish manner. God is not rude and discourteous. He is not careless or thoughtless. He does not carry on in a fashion that would be considered insensitive to others. God does not manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods that will twist situations to his own advantage. God does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp They cause an ugly or violent response. God does not deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. He does not feel overjoyed when he sees an injustice done to someone else, but is elated, thrilled, ecstatic, and overjoyed with the truth. He protects, shields, guards, covers, conceals and safeguards people from exposure. He strains forward with all his might to believe the very best in every situation. God always expects and anticipates the best in others and the best for others. God never quits, never surrenders, never gives up. He never disappoints, never fails, never lets anyone down. When we understand God's love, when we see how much he loves us, and we understand how he operates, then we can also understand his kingdom, 
and how his kingdom works. Now, God is love. His kingdom is love. It's light. The Satan's kingdom is darkness, hate. Can you imagine living for eternity with the God who hates? The little G God who hates? Oh, it's, it's, it's a horrible thought. We have to, as we, as we look at God, as we see God and who he is and how he operates, and we understand his kingdom on this earth, we begin to see that his kingdom is humility. His kingdom is love. His kingdom is out for others. Um, he, in fact, he explained it to his disciples because his disciples were confused. I want to sit on your right hand. I want to sit on your left. I want to be one of the big uh, guys in the kingdom. And he's saying, guys, that's not how my kingdom operates. That's not how God operates. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. This is again in the Amplified Classic. Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, you know that the, great, uh, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. When, you're, when you get to be the big man, and a kingdom on this earth, you get to be the Lord over everybody else. You get to tell everybody else what to do. And he's saying, the Gentiles lord it over them and their great men hold them in subjection, tyrannizing over them. Not so shall it be among you. So this is how Jesus' kingdom operates. This is how God operates. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be waited on, I love the way it says it, not to be waited on, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, the price paid. To set them free. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't come and say, okay, everybody, serve me. Okay, everybody. He gave his life. He was the, he humbled himself to the point of being a slave even to the cross so that you and I could come into this kingdom. And now he wants us to operate in the same way, thinking more of others than we do of ourselves. Being the one who serves rather than the one who is looking to be served or to be waited on, as it says in the Amplified Classic, be waited on. So God is love. His love is unchanging, eternal, unconditional. He doesn't love because you love him. He loves because he is love. And that's just who he is. He demonstrated that love by giving his very best, his only begotten son for us. So we could be adopted into his family. Love like that should stabilize our lives and give us peace no matter what's going on around us. Look at this in Romans 8. I'm going to read verse 31 through 39, the Amplified Classic, Romans 8. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who died, he who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? When it is God who justifies, that is, who he put us in right relation to himself. Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach us if God has, has chosen us? Will God, who equip, acquits us, who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who was at the right hand of God actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Who shall ever separate us? from Christ's love shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword even as it is written for thy sake we are put to death all the day long we are regarded and counted as a sheep for the slaughter yet amid all these things all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, am sure, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is for us. He paid the price for our redemption while we were enemies of his. There is nothing now that we are children of God that would cause him to withdraw his love from us. Look at this in Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, Amplified 2015. But God, being so very rich in mercy because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sin, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ for by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. And he raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us with him in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. And he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus by providing for our redemption. I hope you're seeing tonight that God is for us. His love 
is all-encompassing. It's unconditional. It's eternal. His love was demonstrated in Jesus when he came to this earth to be our redemption. He brought us into fellowship with Father God. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14, Amplified 2015 says, Be on guard. Stand firm in your faith in God, respecting his precepts and keeping your doctrine sound. Act like mature men and be courageous, be strong. Let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for showing us who you are by your word, showing us that you are love, that we could never, never be forsaken by you or, or, or lose that love because you are love and you demonstrated it by this great sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And Lord, I do pray that you open our eyes to what love really is. That we don't listen to the world's standard, to the world's definition of love. But that we surrender to your great love and look in your word and find out who you really are. You are not who religion or the devil has said you are. You are our unconditional love. You loved us so much that when we were enemies, you sent your son to pay the price for our sins, for our healing, for our, uh, for our life on this earth and throughout all eternity. Thank you, Lord. Open our eyes. Help us to see who you really are. We love you so much, Daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, maybe today you have never even understood this love. You have never gotten into the family of God. You have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. We want to give you that opportunity tonight. It's so simple. The Word of God says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. That if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. So I'm going to help you tonight if you've never prayed a prayer like that, or if you prayed that prayer once, but you're not living for him and you want to rededicate your life, then just pray this prayer with me. Don't just say it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart, but say this with me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you came to earth to save me. I believe you died on the cross as a sinless sacrifice for me. I believe you rose on the third day and you are now seated in heaven with my Father God. Thank you. Today I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 
if you prayed that prayer tonight, that was your first time and you want some information, we have information that will help you in your Christian walk. Just email um, the uh, at church or you can contact us on the phone number on the screen and we'll get that package to you and it'll help you in your new uh, faith in Jesus, your walk with the Lord. Thank you for worshiping with us tonight. Lord, uh, thank you for being here to hear the word. And I just want to thank you for uh, always being attentive to the word as it's being brought forth. I want to bless you from the word of God tonight. The Lord bless you, keep you, protect you, sustain you, and guard you. The Lord Make his face shine upon you with favor and be gracious to you, surrounding you with loving kindness. The Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon you with divine approval and give you peace, a tranquil heart and life. We confess that we are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, that in all our ways and endeavors, we are greatly blessed, highly favored, and deeply loved. We are blessed to be a blessing. You be blessed tonight and go be a blessing. See you on Sunday, either the 9 or, uh, nine or 11 o'clock service. Bye-bye. <laughs>